Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Trying out some new theme music today. The old theme music had been uh, been around for well since the start of the podcast a few years ago, and uh, thought I'd switch it up. So, so let me know your thoughts. That's uh, it's an instrumental instrumental version backing track of Put a Smile in Your Mind from from Magic and the Other, uh, which, if you are unfamiliar, is is, is my band. Anywho, I'm um, going to make a little time stamp because it's, uh, it's an auspicious day, March 3rd, 2020. Super Tuesday, so uh, about a third of the nation goes to the polls to decide who will be the next Democratic presidential uh nominee candidate nominee and by the time you listen to this you'll probably know who's uh what what happens but i still don't know and frankly i'm on the edge of my seat i'm not being sarcastic i mean that um also looks like coronavirus is uh is uh at the the verge of becoming a um pretty serious international pandemic so we'll see we'll see what happens with that good times exciting exciting crazy times so um you know we might look back on this podcast in a little bit and uh these events might not be as significant as we as they seem to the time or they might so we'll, we'll see how it goes but anyway i'm still really excited about I'm 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 very excited about this this episode today. I have um Anna Moss and Joel Ludford, aka Handmade Moments. And if you're unfamiliar with Handmade Moments, well, I would just recommend checking them out, visiting them online on YouTube, um, going to see a show. They are a uh acoustic duo like like none other, I would say. They are they are unique. Um and I would even go so far as to say they are very unique. However, I've learned recently that that is actually grammatically incorrect. Unique stands on its own. So you don't need to say things are very unique or really unique. Unique means one of a kind. So just say it's unique and let that the power of the word come through. Anyway, little aside there. Love handmade moments. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, they originally hail from the Ozarks of Arkansas, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say too much because I think you should just, I think you should just give, give them a chance to speak for themselves. Although honestly, we don't speak a ton about music in this episode. We speak about um, about politics and about life, and and um, and uh, anyway, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. I definitely really enjoyed this conversation. Please go check out Handmade Moments. They are extraordinary. And um, and yeah, without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Anna and Joel and myself. We recorded this conversation about a month ago. And um, yeah. All right, everyone. Enjoy. Thanks again for tuning in. Here you go. 
without further ado, my conversation with Handmade Moments. Wait, one last thing. I should mention, Handmade Moments is on tour right now. Go check them out. They're coming to the West Coast. They're coming to the Southwest, the Southeast, the Midwest. They're road warriors, so uh, I know they'll be at the chapel in San Francisco on May 3rd and um, in Nevada City in April 2, so uh, Eugene, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, so uh, Bend, Oregon. So for you West Coasters, uh, check out their calendars and, and go see Kame Moments. You, you won't regret it. Okay, now the show. Enjoy. Okay, we are recording. We're rolling. Awesome. Okay, guys, how, how, how's it going? It's going good. We just saw our friends play at the, at the Jazz Museum here in New Orleans, and it was a nice, fun, improv, impromptu, uh, last-minute gig, and it's such a beautiful place. It's an old mint, actually, where they used to make money, and they've turned it into a jazz hmm. museum. A jazz museum, like like a, a museum about jazz, in other words. A museum about jazz, and they have a concert space where they do live jazz performances, but they have um, they have Louis Armstrong's first coronet there. They have uh, Fats Domino's piano there. It's cool. That sounds rad. How was the show? Who's your friend? Our friend is Cyril Aimee. She's a, a singer, a jazz singer, um, originally from France, but she lives here now. Yeah. And she's phenomenal. Yeah, I know her. She's awesome. Yeah, she's our, she's our friend. Yeah, she's, she, I... <laughs> she's our buddy. She recorded on our last album that we did here in New Orleans, and she recorded uh, a really fun music video with us that we're going to really put out sometime soon. soon. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was just I was just listening to her the other day. Um, I think a, a friend turned turned me her way about a year ago. Um, yeah, wow, that's that's great. Yeah, what's the uh, so sh- is she on is she on the uh, the co- the number one covers album or exactly. Pop Tree? Which she's on number ones. Her and I do number, a, a duet together. One. Mm-hmm. The tide is high. Which it's, one is that? It's a it's okay. a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the second track. It's originally yeah. a Blondie song, um, and we did our own well. Version. Actually, I don't. Is it a Blondie song? I think. I think Blondie might have covered it. Yeah. I don't know if it's a Blondie song. I don't know if they wrote it. Yeah. I know that that's who I heard. I do think it. they didn't. Because, because, um, yeah. Not to get off track. Yeah, I think it was written by John Gosh. Holt, pro- originally produced by Duke Reed. And performed by the Jamaican group The Paragons. Oh, cool! In 1967. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, look at you. Yeah. Quick, quick on the Wikipedia yeah. over here. No, that's just um, that's I gotta, I get like um, Google sends me uh, like their new products, so it's actually just a little chip, and I just I just have to move my eyebrow. And <laughs> don't it, even... it comes up as if it's Wikipedia, but the proce- the processing speed is is way faster, which is awesome for me. You're Google's a... just feeding you um, data all the time. So you're a cyborg. Yeah, basically, ba- basically. I mean, it's it's in beta, but um, but it works well. 
and it's great with lyrics you know i don't need an ipad or anything and anyway enough about me um so handmade moments we got joel ludford and uh anna moss i'm so excited um to have you guys on the ezra lip hour more or less live from new orleans um how do you guys uh How's how's it feel? You 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 do relentless touring, but um, you're on a, a respite right now. How how does it feel? Are you enjoying your your time off? Yes, um, it's it feels wild taking time off. I don't I don't know if I love taking time off, but we are playing every day and we're working on new recordings. And how it feels today is hot. It's hot in New Orleans. We woke up sweating. I went outside and it feels like summertime. So that's trippy. And it's uh, January. It's January in New Orleans. Just for our listeners that might not know. Shorts and a tank top. Wow, is that? (laughs) I'm wearing shorts and a t shirt and sandals. Okay. That's not, that's not, is that, is that, that's not very typical, is it? That's not normal. I mean, yeah. eh. That's. It, we've come to New Orleans in the winter almost every winter for the past couple years before we lived here. It's always much warmer here mm-hmm. than everywhere else, but it's exceptionally warm today. The okay. planet is getting hotter, from what I'm reading. Yeah, yeah, we we're, we all are, and um, I wish I was getting as hot as the planet was getting. Troubling, I gotta say. What's that? I said I wish I was getting hotter with the planet. Oh. Seems like <laughs> the planet's getting hotter and I'm just I'm just getting more out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um Okay. <laughs> well you can't you can't have it all, Joel. We hey. Yes I can. <laughs> with nuclear energy we can solve this and I can get a six pack. Um, so I got to ask, um, with that said, uh, what do you guys do to stay in shape? I go to the, a fitness center nearby. I actually just saw my friend Lex Warshofsky, who was just playing with Cyril. He's the bass player. I just saw him at the gym yesterday. We both go to a gym in town and, uh, we pump iron together. And we bike. Sorry, a lot. you cut out for a second. You go to a gym and do what together? You bike. Nice. I I go to the okay. gym. I work out. I pump iron. I like to use the machines. I do about five or seven minutes on every machine. That way, I'm not getting too bulky in one area of my body. <laughs> I don't want to be like all. That, that seems like pecs. Yeah, that's that seems like a uh, like a sound strategy. Because yeah, you, um, you, 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 you don't want to be, you don't want to be all pecs. I, I do. do, do? Uh, <laughs> I like to bike. It would be uncomfortable. Yeah, it would be uncomfortable. I like to go on okay. long excursions. I like to walk really far. I walk miles every day. I love to walk around New Orleans. It's so great to walk here. And I like to ride my bike a bunch. And there's a beautiful running trail on the river called Crescent Park, and I like to jog there. And I do. I stretch at home, and that's pretty much the extent of my 
working out. In yeah. the summertime, I like to swim whenever we're near a good Do you guys feel hole. like you can uh, maintain a physical routine when you're when you're on the road? I try. You know, I'm I'm one of those people like I take every moment that I can. That's like we're at the gas station filling up and I'll sprint inside to the gas station mm. and I'll sprint back out to my car and people are always looking at me like what the fuck is her problem? Um, but I'm just working out. <laughs> okay. So, um so I I I should just say that um the reason we're here today, in case you're wondering, is is I think um, I, I, I really like you guys. I think you're, what you're doing is, is really is really wonderful. Thank and, you. Um, Thank you. And yeah, and and I try to um, ha, you know I well I try to get people on my show that I think are doing things that are really wonderful and want other people to know about, and also. It has the inverse quality of if I want to get to know people that I think are cool and just want to get to know them better, I can use the excuse of my show to get to hang out with them a little bit. Nice. So there's, there's all that going on, full disclosure. Um, um, I like that. You know, it's, you, it's, yeah. everyone needs, everyone needs a, an excuse to be social nowadays an angle you know totally. we, got, we got to have your totally. angles here and you got to we got to multitask in this world got to get it yeah. done one thing i like about um your music it well there, there's a number of things i'm just gonna um no there's only one likable feature go on <laughs> there's well <laughs> it one is is the is is in the hole yes but the to pick it apart um and if and you feel free to comment on I, I'm curious I'm curious how these things developed for you guys because because when I see uh, when I watch or listen to handmade moments it's um, you have this quality where you can perform uh, almost as if you're one instrument um, and and I'll elaborate on that by saying like, Okay, so you you both are multi instrumentalists, and you're you're constantly switching out instruments during your set, and then you both beatbox, and you both uh, sing, and you harmonize with each other, and you flip leads, and and I feel like you're able to do it in this way that is particularly particularly seamless, like especially with with like the beatboxing, where one person will be beatboxing and one person will be singing, and then all of a sudden the roles reverse and and it's if you didn't if you're not paying attention you wouldn't even realize that it's a different person now playing the percussion role and i i just think that uh it's just like a very tight acoustic duo and i'm wondering what the process was like uh in developing like that that tightness did it always um how much you had to work on on those things or i'm i'm sure you just had a natural chemistry at the beginning but maybe you can um let me know a little about how that developed. Yes. Um, well, we started out playing to a lot of crowds that didn't know us and didn't know our music. And so it wasn't like the um, traditional gig where you're playing t to people that know what your vibe is and that, t that know what you're getting at. So we had to try to make it as accessible as possible, our songs. 
and we don't we didn't have a drummer we still don't have a drummer uh, so I think that's part of how we developed our technique is we would show up and want to fill the song out as much as possible make a lot of noise and get people dancing and moving and feeling the groove and we're both really sticklers about wanting to hear the vocalist when they're singing and wanting to hear what they're saying so we both have an acute awareness uh, of when to get out of the way when someone else when someone's singing so to me I think of it in a show or in a song we have the musical parts and we can we both know what we are getting at with the musical parts so if it feels empty in a room or if it feels like a certain sound system, maybe the beatboxing uh, is not as full as it is in other places, then we will play more guitar or something. But we're just like trying to get get the message, get the groove across to the audience without getting in the way of the lyrics. And so that's that to me is what we do. We, we beatbox, make a lot of noise, and then... Uh, when 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 one when one person is singing, then I I will start beatboxing for Anna. But once she stops singing and it becomes more of a musical groove, and I'm more focused on my guitar, then I I don't have the mental capacity to beatbox with the same detail and acuteness as I would when there's like a singer playing. When there's a singer, I can play guitar and beatbox. Um, because I don't have to take up as much space, but once the singer stops, then I want to take up more space, and uh, then she'll switch to beatboxing, and it'll it'll gel so that we can put as much of the juice juice in it as possible, if that makes any sense. I think whenever Joel is shredding a solo, I beatbox so he can focus on the shred, you know, and. We never really intentionally designed our band to be this way. I think it just started happening naturally. I remember in one of our earlier shows as Handmade Moments, we were playing in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, at this biker bar for a crowd of rowdy bikers. And I'm talking like motorcycle, vroom, vroom. Hmm. Um, and we're like, how do we get their attention, you know? They love blues songs. I remember we were, we started playing Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers. And then Joel started beatboxing, and it sounded cool. And I was like, let me try that. So then whenever I wasn't singing, I was beatboxing. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And then that's the first time I remember beatboxing into a microphone at a show. And I just haven't stopped since. It's just such a fun way to make... Um, to make the beat, especially when you have control of the sound and you can make it fat and juicy, or if you have a really good sound engineer that knows what's up with the beatboxing and makes it fat and juicy. Sure, yeah, that's that's rad to know that it it just came out of necessity at, at one show. I I would have just assumed that you guys had that in your in your toolbox. Uh, well, Joel and integrated likes- it from the from the beginning. Joel likes to rap, and when I f- we first met, he's he was freestyling a bunch, and he still does. And I and I never really freestyled till I met Joel. But when we're just hanging out and messing around, freestyling, 
it's fun to have a beat, someone laying down a beat in the background. So I think we were, you know, we were messing around with beatboxing just when we were playing uh, and just goofing off. Um, but it works really well with the music too. Um, would it be, uh, we'll get back to the conversation. Would it be too much to ask to just like, just like bust out some, some pop one off out of the freestyles right yeah. now? Just, yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. I mean, are two. you asking for us to bust a flow? Yeah. That's what he's getting at. I'll, bu- I'll start. I, Yo. Is that the correct vernacular? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. To flow, flow for Ezra. Why? Just because I les ya. That means I want to les out with you, homie. I know we're new and you barely even know me, but I want to go there. I want to get down. I want to see what it's like in your town. Are you cool? Are you fun? Are you my number one? Are we about to become something fun? Are we about to become a honey bun? With that cinnamon and sticky, yes, it's yum. Me and you, we are so warm. We can be friends. Now that I am rapping to you, friendship never ends because my friendship is made when my mouth starts moving. When Anna starts a beat boxing and grieving, I can do things that I probably shouldn't do, but I do them on the mic because I'm weird like you. I said, Ezra, I already miss you. I already miss you like we were best friends. I really love you. No one above you. I hope our connection never ends. I hope my 4G connection is rocking hard like an erection. You know I'm trying to do this with perfection. I never go back, no corrections. I also don't like jail, no corrections. I don't like jail, I think it's kind of creepy. I don't want people to think me of a jail guy. No, I do not like it. I'd rather get out. I'd rather spike it, spike the system like a ball in the football game. I think the corrections is totally lame. lame. Yeah, I wish that we could just help people instead instead of beating them over the top on their head. But no, we gotta flow to let these things out of my brain to let them go or I'd never know quite what to say that's why Ezra interviewed me today uh bust it give me something in Anna. the jail yeah yeah in the jail in the jails. here we go here we go hit it we gotta let all the people out of jails free. We gotta give them mental health care. That's what we need. Yeah. We all need to feel good. We all need to feel safe. We all need to know that we all have a place yeah. to go. Come on, America. It's time. It's time to get our shit together. This is a rhyme. I just rhymed about making a rhyme. Hopefully that is not a crime. Oh a crime, no, don't show up and take me to the jail. I don't wanna go. Anna doesn't deserve to be locked up. She deserves coffee and a nice warm cup. Yeah. She deserves nice fuzzy things on her feet. Slippers that make her slip across the street. Slipping and sliding and rhyming and fun and hanging out with Ezra because he's my number one. He knows when I am going and he knows I'm never done. You should have never asked me because I will never be done. Yeah, that's a little something. Mainly about the prison industrial complex, <laughs> I guess. That's what's on our mind today. Yeah, mass incarceration. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much. That was that was, that was was beautiful. I loved it. Thank you. And, um, and, and, and thank you all for the, the kind things you had to say about me, Joel. I, I said something. That. The earliest thing um, I said was I wanted to les out. Les out with you? Yeah. I know, yeah, nobody's ever rhymed my name with les out 
with me. I was like, Lesra, I really want to. I, I, wrote, I really want to. Ezra, I want to Lesia, which I think is. Yeah, I knew where you were going. Beautiful, because we're both men, you know. Oh wow! Right. Yeah. The fact that we can be strong enough I to think it, um, to go for like a different gendered relationship with each other means that we're <laughs> we have a really strong connection that doesn't. It's not defined by our, uh, you know, by our genitalia. We, our spirits and our spirits really, soar together. and really comfortable with in with ourselves. We are as well. <laughs> we are. Yeah, I can tell. I could tell you. I could tell you guys are. I mean, I, I could. I know I am. To, I know you to are. various degrees, and I can tell. Yeah, um, we're mental lesbians. And you and, and, I. and that's and that's <laughs> what <laughs> we're mental lesbians. Neither of us. I, okay. Are dicks. Mental, <laughs> mental lesbians. <laughs> oh, sorry. But one th- one thing that um, did you say ment- mental uh, mental lesbians are. Dicks? No. I said we are mental lesbians. Sorry, neither of us are dicks. That's oh, what... neither of us are dicks. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I I, I believe that's that's true. It's a um, high compliment because. Although. Go ahead. Although I don't like that. I don't like that. Um. I don't like when people. Well, that it's a. I don't want to get off topic. Tell I, me. Don't, I don't. I don't do. I don't. I don't like when people say when people call someone else a dick yeah and I, right I haven't talked what's about wrong with the dick i mean it's podcast, a very but important, i just feel like very important piece of the body well it it just i just feel like it's it's um and maybe this isn't an adequate or i i feel like it it unnecessarily demeans the dick the the male gender yeah you know sim- similar similar to how I would object to someone calling somebody a pussy, but it's a different, obviously, um, m- meaning that is ascribed to the word. But it, I, I feel like it's, I, I personally don't like to say that because I, I don't like to, you know, reinforce that stereotype. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. P- perhaps, I don't know. No, P- I- perhaps it's it's overly sensitive. But anyway, it's the first time I've said that no i was being a i was being a stickler but i was being i was being a stick in the see there again again it's 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 your your it's it's the um the uh uh what do you call it um the shape um like the washington monument that shape the obelisk Um, obelisk obelisk yeah words and uh, uh, uh no Right, okay. that's the word, right? Obelisk. Uh, anyway. Oh, I know. I no, I, no, I know where you're. No, what, go on. Go on. I no. I I just can't think. of... Well, just the stickler again. It's like the stick. Ah. Oh. You know. What What I really was you know. thinking. What I wanted to say was like one of those things in the yard that you yeah. step on and it stabs your foot. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. You're walking around the yard like one of those gumballs that you step on, and it's all spiky. Uh, and it gets in your feet. A gumball? Aren't they just called gumballs? We call those gumballs in the South. Yeah, the, we have these. They're tr- terrible. These they're trees. They're basically that, like they are the shape of a gumball, the candy, but they're, they're just all spiky. like they're kind of like pine cone vibes with spikes everywhere, mm. and they'll stick to your feet, and you got to pull mm. them out, and it's awful. We also call them stickers in Arkansas. Oh. He's, Oh, okay. Like the little ones that like that one might get stuck on an animal. Yes, exactly. 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 Those things. Yes. Okay. 
which yeah. I, I don't think that's going to offend anybody. Anyway, you know, because it's like, <laughs> no, it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a seed It is a tree seed probably. But it's there to like penetrate hurt. and hurt. I don't know if it's there to hurt, but that's what it does to me. It's there to penetrate, stick onto you, and then you walk, and then it falls off you somewhere else. Yeah. And then it spreads. It's, and then it spreads. It spreads. It's, yeah. Right. We went deep. Yeah, kind, no, I don't know. I don't know if we did yet. Um, I don't but, know. We could. Um, if you, if I'm you having wanna, a good time. If you want to keep we, talking no, about I, stickers. I would like to. <laughs> stickers, is, it's basically the same as what? colonialism. Yeah, preach. Come over, you hurt, and you spread. Conquest. It's terrible. Conquest. Um, no, I yeah, I I mean I I totally see that. What what's what's to be done? What's to be done? Well, I think colonialism with colonialism. Yeah, reparations. Yeah, reparations. That's that's an easy one. Reparations, I think okay. ending ending the um, ending the wars that, that we're fighting all around the world and using that money and that uh, energy and effort to rebuild communities that have been disenfranchised and that have uh, that are suffering the from starvation lack of clean water habitat destruction i i think that's how we that's how we reverse it because we have to go to the we have to go to the source of what is what's our main effort on this planet and it seems like right now the main effort is like acquire wealth for yourself and your small family group at the um, at the cost of of other people, you know, like it's it's we're like in this time of stealing and of uh, hoarding, and I think we have to, I think we have to change our system so that we're not rewarding thieves and not rewarding uh, robber barons and not rewarding you know billionaires, but Instead, rewarding people that are creating abundance and rewarding people that are creating a livable future. I think our reward system is off right now. It's like mm-hmm. if, if you can, if you can, if you can fuck over a lot of people, that will uh, help you to rise in the social strata, and. You just have to do it within like the legal framework, but as long as you have enough lawyers and like a legal team, then you're really incentivized to uh, destroy in order to get your own wealth, in order to acquire wealth. So we have to have a new definition of wealth and a new a new. A new economic system, global economic system. And and restrictions on wealth. Restrictions on on what can be done to be wealthy and what you can make money off of. Some things you shouldn't be allowed to make money off of. Like sick people. Hmm. Like we shouldn't be capitalizing yes. off of off of sickness and we shouldn't be capitalizing. Or putting people in prison. Exactly. Yep. We shouldn't be capitalizing off of that. That's that's 
it's terrible. Or, just, or destroying the planet. There was exactly. a wonderful quote that I heard last night. I think it was a Victor Hugo quote. And it was, uh, it was like this. We know that sin happens in the darkness. So who are we to blame? The people that... What happens in the darkness? Uh, sin. sin. Sin happens in the darkness. So who are we to blame? Okay. The, the people in the darkness or those that create darkness. And um, I think that's a really... Oh, here it is. This is the exact She's quote by Victor Hugo. If the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. I said it better, but go ahead. Go ahead, Victor. <laughs> One more time. It's it a quote by Victor Hugo. If the soul is left in darkness, sins will be committed. The guilty one is not he who commits the sin, but he who causes the darkness. So what does that mean to so, you guys? To me, it means we were talking about this with our friends last night here in New Orleans because there's a lot of, of, of crime and, and a lot of poverty here. And and we were talking about how mm. how is it is it the person that holds someone up at gunpoint and steals from them? hundred dollars. You know, is, is it that person's fault? Is, so the guy who's carrying around a gun and robbing people for money, is he a bad person? Is it his fault um, that he is in this terrible economic situation and that he was born into poverty? We oftentimes look at people that are convicted of crimes and think, oh, you're just a terrible person, you know, you're a sinner, whatever. But, but the reality is a lot of these people were born into extreme poverty and maybe they didn't have a dad and maybe their mom was on crack or maybe their mom who knows who knows they they didn't have they didn't have resources or a social net that could help them and they fall into a bad place and a lot of people who I've talked to uh, we don't we don't often talk about this in our society but most people that you see that are on the streets that are suffering from mental illness or that are suffering from homelessness often have endured intense abuse as children, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and they've never had st stability in their lives. And so I think the darkness is a system that creates that kind of economic instability for so many people. We tour a lot as Handmade Moments, and last summer we spent a lot of time in Germany and we were playing this outdoor free concert and there's a woman who came up to us and she was asking me this question in German. I speak zero German and so I didn't understand what she was saying. Um, but this man came up and he translated for me and she, the woman, she looked a little, you know, she looked like a little out of it but she was well you know she was like she was very sweet and very kind um, and the man who translated what she was asking said she said I have a mental illness and so I live in a special home and I don't have any money but I would really like to have one of your t-shirts so that's what she was saying to me and it blew my mind because the fact that in this town in Germany, if you 
have a mental illness and you cannot work, there's a place that you can live and you have clothes and you have a place to shower and you have a bed to sleep in and you have social workers advocating for you and you're not just on the streets left to fend for yourself doing drugs under the bridge trying to escape from your trauma instead you're taken care of by a social system that works and you walk around that town and there are no homeless people everybody that would fall into that category has a place and is taken care of by an actual social system that works yeah Yeah, to me that quote means don't don't uh the person to blame isn't isn't the the one who's out there committing like small petty crimes but the person that is to blame is the person who is hoarding massive amounts of wealth and creating uh and perpetuating an economic system that creates that that has so much depravity so it's like don't don't get mad at um don't get mad at someone that robs a you know robs a bank or robs someone. Um, be be upset at the at the culture and the society that allows that type of behavior and depravity to become so large and become such a such a thing. Like to me, it's like don't get mad. Don't get mad at the the petty crimes don't get mad at the people that are um that that don't have the means to to change large systems but but get mad at the people that don't that that have control over billions and billions of dollars and that could fix homelessness in a day like like maybe jeff bezos for instance the richest man in the world he has the money to end hunger and homelessness in the United States and still be a, you know, a billionaire. Yeah. That's, that's what that um, says to me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm, I'm glad that, that thank you for sharing all that. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up, um, Jeff Bezos because I was just about to, um, well, I, I, I was thinking when you were you guys were talking about that. So what I hear you saying is that, we can have compassion for the people at the fringes of our society, um, even you know because they just are are, are coming uh, far less resourced than than most, and likely have um, mental health problems and um, and and a slew of circumstances that got them where they are today. So even if they might be, um, you know, for instance, committing committing an, a crime, a armed robbery or something. It's really can't really blame them as much because really it's the economic conditions um, and society's structural framework that that was responsible for creating those those conditions. So we should have compassion for those people. Um, I hear you saying that, and I I am in complete agreement. I, I also wonder on the other end of the spectrum, um, and I know you just called out Jeff Bezos, like, is it fair to say we should have the same kind of understanding 
and compassion for for the the most powerful and richest members of our society that holds all the the power and the cards to just to and just say well if if i was in their shoes i might do the same thing or is that where we draw the line and say no fuck those guys they should you know be doing more and they could change things and they're not so we should be angry like i i don't i i'm it's yeah. really i'm just exploring this i yeah i think that it's not the same it's not you can't compare people like jeff bezos to people that suffer from mental illness and homelessness on the streets because jeff bezos was born into money and he's probably never been hungry and he's probably never um he's never had to to gather like change in order to survive he's he's always had all of his his basic needs met he's always had a place to sleep he's always had food he's always had water he's always had shelter um but the socioeconomic situation that is created by billionaires like him have made it to where there are people that are born into a reality where they don't have any of their basic needs met and if you don't have any of your basic needs met that's just going to cause so many problems for you personally and that's why we should have compassion for those people because it's not their fault if they're born into a broken system whereas you know having compassion right. for it, people but, that cause okay, the broken let me, system let me, I, I i agree with that just let me just let me interject for a second just to clarify because i i'm not necessarily trying to compare um and and someone um at the margins of society to, to Jeff Basis and I, and I completely recognize all those differences. I guess what I'm trying to compare is, is just like a, a mindset, a framework of being like, well, yes, Jeff Basis does not know anything about the lives of those people. His life I'm sure was, you know, in, in incredibly different in, in every level. However, like, should we, apply the same sort of compassion of like, well, he was, you know, a slave in some ways, or, or he grew up with a certain set of circumstances that, that taught him, you know, that he bought into his sure. worldview that was passed have, down to him that, to, you know, yeah. Right. Every, see where I'm going with that. Everybody well, has a struggle. Like even rich, super rich people. Yeah. I think about this often, like, man, it must be right. really hard to be super rich and born into that because how can you relate to most of the world? You know, how can you relate to people? And that must feel kind of lonely. Um, sure, you can have compassion, but at the end of the day, I think we just need to have to take our take the power back with our government and place massive restrictions so our government isn't owned by corporations anymore and we can actually put restrictions on big businesses so we can have viable social programs that work for the people and we can have compassion for billionaires but we also take the power away from them so they can't destroy so many people's lives and the environment that we all depend on to survive i think yeah i think the yeah i think and i and i and i yeah Go on, Joel. Oh, um, I, I was just going to say that we we need to have compassion for the top and the bottom. And I think maybe all of the 
uh, all the resentment and the anger that comes from uh, the have-nots at the people that have a lot um, keeps the conversations from happening and keeps the connections from happening that might uh, that might open up like some dialogue between the two so that we some real change can happen and so so I think that there's value in having compassion and being open to hearing what all sides of the story all sides of the coin have to say um, I just I, I also think that we we could we could listen more to both like both sides we could listen more to um, and benefit from that and I think that w it's easy also to just be like oh well these these billionaires I'm not going to do anything about it because what good can I do because these people that have all the money could just make the difference in in one stri stroke of the pen whereas me it's going to take you know a lifetime of organizing and doing all this to, you know to make a difference and I think that attitude can keep people passionate people from uh, mobilizing and from like really trying to make a difference because they might have it in their head that well this person can make all the difference so what why would I even burden myself with this problem and when really it's 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 all of our problems like we we all live in this world together and I'm I'm of the belief that we all live on a on a living planet, and so whatever we do is affects not just us but everyone around us and and the planet around us. So we we have to do it all as one. We all we all have to be on the same page, and without any conversation, compassion, um, open dialogue, then we'll never get to a point to where we all can. Uh, find solutions because we, we're at a point on the planet where we have to find radical solutions quickly um, like Greta Thunberg has been saying and so many others we, we only have so much time to figure fix, it out yeah, figure it out fix the climate crisis and we're going to need poor people rich people um, everyone we're, we're going to need all hands on deck for this one yeah um Again, uh, I think we, I think we, generally, seemingly think the same <laughs> ways about these things, which um, which is nice. But but I but you know an important an important um, thing to bring up, which you guys are alluded to, is that there's a lot of people that don't always think like we do, or we might like them to. And I know you guys are from Arkansas, which is. Um, a red state and um i'm sure you were grew up and and I, i've heard you say anna that you grew up in a really conservative family and i'm not sure about your political background joel but um with your family but i i'm i know you guys um know a lot of people and probably grew up around many people that didn't feel the same way that you might around these things and i'm really interested in in bridging d divides yes because um because it's it's true it's like we you know um there there are so many things that need to happen in order for 
us to have a fighting chance <laughs> at, uh, you know, a, um, creating a, a peaceful world mm-hmm. for its inhabitants. Um, and we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, in the weeds right now. Um, but I, but I don't feel like it's enough, you know, to, if, if, you know, even if we were to momentarily get a, um, political, um, victory that might, you know, reflect our values more like that's, that's a step in the right direction, I think. But ultimately I don't think it's going to have lasting power unless we could, as you said, get all hands on deck and, and get everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. We must unite you know, behind we must the cause. Unite behind, and, um, behind yeah. the cause of like, so, a, so, a so I guess my survival. question to you, my, yeah. So my, my question to you is, is maybe you have some perspective and maybe you already are doing this with your music, but um, well, I know you are, but h- how do we, how do we bridge, bridge divides, you know, um, in such a polarized and divisive time so people can, can, you know, yeah, come I, together and not be threatened by one another and, and work together, I listen th- to each other. I think the f- something that would really help is if our media outlets weren't uh, backed by corporations because I feel like the big news, like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of those guys have this very bipartisan narrative that works to pit people against each other. And that is extremely unfortunate because, like you said, we are from Arkansas. I'm from a very conservative town. And I can tell you that people, maybe maybe they voted for Trump. That doesn't mean they're bad people. That just means they were watching the news right, yeah. and they were listening to the propaganda that was on the news and and they were thinking they were making the right decision, you know, and that's very sad. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all want shelter. We all want f- good food. We all want to feel safe and loved. We all want to breathe clean air and we don't want to feel unsafe on the streets. We want violence to go down. We want crime to go down. We want to have, we want to have access to all the things that make our quality of life better. And, and I think that if we took money, took corporate money out of, out of the big media, that would be a really good first step. Because I think, for example, you know, if let's say, let's say Bernie wins and we get a green new deal and let's say we have uh, you know, we have more rail systems, we have trains, like, you know, Europe, you can take a train anywhere. It's incredible. You don't have to drive. Driving is stressful. Um, let's say that happens and we have trains. Let's say we pull out of the wars and we take take that, you know, 40 to 50% of our tax dollars that we're spending on bombing seven countries right now and spend it on education and resources in our country. Do you think 10 years down the road, people are going to be like, oh man, I hate trains. I wish we could go back to bombing all those other countries. Like, I just don't think that could ever, you know what I mean? Like, I think people, they don't, it's, it's never, yeah. it's never painted like what it's, what it could be. It's, it's always painted on the media as like some narrative that doesn't make any sense. And then people are confused and they're like, oh, I don't want that. It's going to cost too much money. But at the end of the day, you're spending all that money on our military in wars that are failing us and only putting our own soldiers in harm's way and killing civilians. And there's just no point. The only point is to put money 
in rich people's pockets. And so I think that if the truth, if that was actually put out there, we could unite behind it. Mm. I, yeah, the question of how to bridge yeah. the gap is, is a really great and beautiful, important question that uh, I think needs to be asked more often. And, you know, there's probably no one or two answers to how to bridge that gap, but I think it starts with getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your your bubble, your demographic, going to the part of town you don't normally go to, hanging out with the people that you don't agree with, and listening and talking. And uh, if you're if we're gonna have arguments, having constructive construct uh, constructive arguments with people. Um, talking about issues in a way that's light and that's not um, not so polarizing. I mean, like, that that to me is what I feel like I can do to try to bridge the gap is I can go to, you know, like a different church than I normally would or I can go to a different uh, concert than I normally would and get to know people and... Um, get to know people that are, might not think the same way I do and go there without really an agenda of trying to change someone's mind or trying to get someone to think the way you do, but instead just trying to open up the dialogue so that you have friends and you have acquaintances and you have comrades that agree with you and don't agree with you. And, and I think that that will help a lot because right now, I see a lot on the internet of people uh, re- people calling each other names. Like, a, like if I have friends that might identify as Democrats and they might use the word repugnantkins, <laughs> and I have friends that are that might be more Republican that call uh, people libtards or snowflakes. Yeah, and I think um, I think that we ha- that one way to bridge the gap is is through conversation is through comedy i think everyone laughs Mm -hmm. and everyone wants to feel good so so going going you know if you're like an atheist you know go to church you don't have to start believing in god but go go to you know go meet people that believe and see what their lives are like if you're a religious person go to a secular event go to some sort of uh more atheist you know meetup and and be there without an agenda, uh, just just mix it up. I read a really cool bumper sticker today, and it says, "Minds are like parachutes; they only work when they're open." Yep, I've seen that. That's that's a good one. Uh, can you guys think of uh, a time or an experience you've had where you did just that, where you might have gone to? Um, you know, out of your comfort zone and maybe engaged with, um, say that, ask that question again, because person or you people cut that you normally bit. wouldn't have and had your mind expanded. Oh, okay. I was saying, can you guys think of a, a time or experience when you did just what you were talking about and, and kind of, uh, got out of your comfort zone and engaged with a person or group of people that expanded your mind in a way that you might not have had, uh, had, might not have had happened otherwise. Yeah, I think there have been times growing up in Arkansas 
when I was younger, I remember hanging out with some friends once who were hunters and they had some rifles and they showed me how to shoot a rifle. And, um, I was like, whoa, this is crazy, (laughs) you know, but something really cool about the hunting community is that they're some of the most hardcore environmentalists you'll meet and they might not come off that way. Um, but they care so much about the ecosystem because that sustains their livelihood and their sport and their food source. And so that, that was really interesting to me. I, I, I didn't think, uh, I never thought of it that way whenever I, I was hanging out with these guys. And then I see how much they, they care about keeping the land and keeping the nature pristine so they could continue deer hunting. Yeah. And, and probably are, <laughs> are, are like, you know, not, well, and, and, and I, I would just imagine probably way more connected and in touch and, and educated about, uh, their natural environment than, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure I am or oh. like anyone, you know, who, uh, who, who claims to be an environmentalist or, or on board with the cause, you know, for sure, um, for sure, you know, and like, they don't want uh, to overhunt. They don't want to overfish because that would harm the environment. And then they couldn't do what they love anymore. So they're very careful. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And it, it's too bad. So, so there's like an example of, uh, you know, like, so how, how do we get, so, so why aren't the, you know, so if that's the case, like, and maybe I'm sure there's a lot about this that I am ignorant, ignorant of, or don't understand, but like, why don't we have more hunters in our environmental movement, whatever that might, you know, it's like, how come you don't see, I, I don't, I, I, you know, most stereotypically most hunters would be Republican aligned, which is not a party that, uh, historically has done its part to preserve the environment. Like where, how do we get those people, you know, uh, to, to, on, on the side of, you know what I'm saying? On the side of conservation, on the side of protecting the environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough, yeah, that's a yeah. tough one. I, I think it goes back to ending this bipartisan myth, this plotting you against, you know, it, it's interesting to see the topics in which they, the big media uses to plot people against each other. Topics like abortion and gay marriage and gun control and things that are like, at the end of the day, it it's, it's almost seems like a distraction to keep us pitted against each other so we don't come together and work out the most important issues, which are our survival as a species on this planet. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma. Yeah. How do we, how do we unite all these, all these different people to, uh, to get together and talk? I went to, um, church the other day at, a, and I'm not, I was raised Catholic, but I wouldn't describe myself as a Christian. I'm, I'm definitely not, I don't, I don't believe in that, um, like there's this god in the sky that has brought down a um, 
a son, he impregnated a, you know, a teenager and kind of this Herculean kind of myth. I don't really take, I don't take that to be true. Um, but I, but I went to church on Sunday and I, just by being there and being my long haired, um, self, got to know some people better and got got to understand why um, why church and community are so important and I think I think that's that's the most recent story I have of like going somewhere that isn't my normal hang and and being a part of it that's that's the last thing I did and it was it was, it was nice what what yeah the yeah. the church uh, I I got introduced to this church because the pastor uh, Gregory Manning led a protest against Lobby Louisiana Association of Business and Industry, and Lobby is the most powerful um, group in Louisiana for policy and for. Uh, elected officials and industry it's really where a lot of the strings are pulled to make large projects happen in the state and he was there to protest the gas and petroleum and plastic industries that are poisoning a, a mainly uh, black area of Louisiana and this area called Cancer Alley has over a uh, I think 300 times the the national rate of cancer in this one area and where so, all these geez. big plants are wow so he was leading a peaceful protest Jeez. with some of his church members and police came and very violently <clears throat> tackled him onto the ground and put their knees into his back and arrested him and he spoke at the climate strike and that's how we met him and we went to his arraignment in Baton Rouge, and it all got dismissed because the police acted inappropriately. And because um, there was such a support of people there. And there were so many people. The whole church came. It was awesome. <laughs> Seeing yeah. like a church organized um, for justice, for for environmental justice, that was that was one of the most beautiful experiences for me because I'm I'm from a place in Arkansas where. A lot of the churches deny climate change and there's mega churches where there's ties to oil companies in Texas and mega churches have a multi-million dollar sound system and a Starbucks inside and it's just very strange. Um, but and, you know, there's just there's not very many ethnicities at those churches. And then and then and, you know, at those churches, they don't aren't accepting of a lot of different kinds of people. But then I come down here to Louisiana and you have churches that are, are rallying and getting people together um, to protest against big businesses that are poisoning people. And that's really amazing. I mean, if you're a vegan, go to a gun club, yeah, you know, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a hunter, go to a vegan potluck, yeah. just like mix it up, <laughs> mix it up, mix it up and have, mix it up, be civil yeah. and have conversations and get to know people because when tragedy happens and when extreme events happen, people really unite and they forget about the barriers. They forget about what's different 
and they do what is second nature to them, which is to help their fellow human out. So we have to we have to get to know each other bef- before the crisis, and and we're in the middle of a crisis, so it's time to just reach out and expand. That one thing I want to do is go to I want to go to like some meetings, go to some go to some uh, churches, and go to some rallies that are not my uh, not things that I'm not aligned with and I want to go and and speak to people and talk to people and and just open the dialogue and start seeing where they are coming from and I may not I don't have to agree with anything but I I can I can agree to listen and I can agree to share space and share share the same area because right now I, I see so much polarization in this country you're either left or you're right and um, and at the end of the day we, we, we all are in this together and, and when you know when a giant earthquake happens or when a, a big flood happens or Katrina happens you know we, we only have our neighbors. And, and we don't have time to see all the all the craziness and, and we're in crisis now so it's time to start seeing all those neighbors and getting to know everyone I, I also think that social media has a has a kind of detrimental effect on us and it, it, it puts us in a bubble of, of like-minded thinkers and and um, we need to get off get off the get off the phone get off the, the computer and go to an old folks home and go to uh you know go to a church go to a rally go to a go to a public meeting be outside you know play music get get into some real conversations with some real people in real time that that could do a lot well you guys are uh are certainly um Certainly wise beyond your years, I'm sure. I mean, I know I, I can tell um, because I'm like super wise. <laughs> I can tell that you're really wise. Wise, too. he's um, wise. But no, thank you. Yes. Um, no, thank you. That's that's a beautiful vision. And um, I'm 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 totally on board. And I hope I hope anyone listening would be inspired by that, too. Um, I, I feel uh I feel a little um, conflicted right now because I feel like we just had a, a nice, healthy, good, good conversation and and got got into it and got deep and and um, went. I was hoping we would we would hit all that those themes, which I know are, are um, close to all of our hearts. Um, I I feel a little bad that we didn't really delve into talking about your band more. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys, I mean, you guys talk about your band all the time. Are you, or what do you, do you I don't know. Do you, do you want to do that? Or do, we could, we could also just kind of wrap up and just, I mean, the, I, there's other, there's other podcasts out there where you talk about your band. So we don't we have do to, whatever like, you, you know, like. retell. We could, we could talk a little bit about okay. our band. I mean, what do you want to know? Yeah. 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 We was talking. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know. Okay, so I mean, I you know, I did I did my homework, so I I know a fair bit, and I I know about your albums, I know about 
the you know your your bus accident and on uh the 21st of may in 2016 that that um kind of um left uh left joel in a in a wheelchair for for three months and anna with a concussion and was a you know very close call and we're really happy to see that you're still here and how that you know you a lot of the songs from your last studio album pawpaw tree came out of that time as you were recovering in nevada city i know about that stuff there is one there is one question i wanted to ask about that to you joel which um so and and not to you know have to you've you've told the story before so we don't have to get into the all the details but i'm just wondering um that that's a unique experience uh aside from the near-death collision that you guys went through but also just um being in a wheelchair in uh for for a temporary time three months and but in in nevada city california which is not uh, a california town known for its public transit or mm-hmm. anything um i mean that must have just given you a different perspective on and 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 i'm guessing a, a sense of gratitude for for your your body uh, do you care to share yeah if that how that if that was transformative in any way it was very eye-opening it was an experience that i'm very grateful for because i didn't know how tough getting around in a city could be um even in a city like uh, chicago my grandmother was sick in the hospital i went to visit her while i was in my wheelchair thinking that she might be passing away and as i was rolling around chicago this modern city with um with all sorts of infrastructure i found it so difficult to get around by myself in a wheelchair and i it really opened yeah. my eyes to how how great of a support network i have and how great of a community i have because i I had all these people come to my side and come to my aid to help me heal and to help me get from point A to point B. And it, it made me think about how life would be if I didn't have that support group, if I didn't have that network. I would be, um, I, I would have been in a really dark spot and I, I would have been potentially, potentially could have changed my life for for the worse, it could have it could have made um, it could have made it hard for me to heal if I didn't have people to drive me to physical therapy and friends to to take me to the river and I I can see how and now after that injury I can see how fragile life is and I can see how your life can be going great and then one accident later. Um, you can lose everything and, and like I said I was lucky to have a, a great support group and friends with resources um, but if I would have gotten in that wreck while I was on tour in Mexico or somewhere where I didn't have a support group and I didn't have Anna with me um, and I had no way to contact my friends and family um, it could have you know it could have been the end of my life. I could have gotten addicted to pain pills, um, 
I was lucky enough to be in California where there's lots of uh, non-addictive cannabis available. Um, and if I didn't have that for my healing process, um, I sure I would have been using a lot more um, opioid medications to deal with my pain, and that could have that could have proved to be the end of my life. I, mean, I know that I met, I have several friends that have died because of uh, addiction to opioids or op- opioid overdose. So I know that it's it's not impossible for it to happen. Once you see it happen to a friend or someone close to you, you know that it's not it's not just this thing that happens to people that don't have self-control or or something like that. It happens to anyone, happens to everyone. And by the way, when Joel had his surgeries, that's what the doctors prescribed him to. That's what people get prescribed to. Really heavy um, yeah. Really heavy drugs. Yeah. They get they get opioids yeah. and they get painkillers and and it's apparently, you know, they they say oh, it's totally normal like you know, use it as long as you need to, um, but they're highly, highly addictive. So, I'll I'll say one thing though. It really, you're, it really did make me um, like when you're at a low spot like that, you only have one direction to go, which is back up, and that's that can be a actually refreshing feeling to be like, okay, I'm I'm slowed down, I'm down here at a low point in my life and and uh it makes it easy to to like climb because you have no other option and it also it was really good for me as a musician like to slow down and not have all these options like i i live in this amazing town in new orleans now and i had so many options to go out and see live music and to be a socialite and go here and go there and when I was down for a while, it was it gave me an opportunity to focus on my craft and to play a lot of music and, and to write songs. And I'm really, uh, really grateful that I had the opportunity to do that in a safe environment. You know, I had a, I had a place to stay, a good shelter. And while I was healing, I was I was really able to focus on music a lot. And that was fun. Yeah, well. I'm, you're, you're a, uh, you know, you're, you're a, uh, you're, you're a blessed, a blessed person. So I'm glad you have all that support and you should, you deserve it for sure. And, um, I was, I was I'm lucky. Sure, I was know, very as you're lucky. saying that, yeah, that, that process could have been a lot, a lot darker for, for somebody else. Um, as I'm, as I know you recognize, so yeah, I just think about what if that would have happened right. to me when I was on tour somewhere else, or what if I my folks, what if I didn't have, you know, parents that had the ability to to fly out to California and help take care of me, um, it would have been a whole different story. Mm-hmm. What if I didn't have the friend group I had? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it could have it could have been the end for me, even even though I survived the wreck. Um, recovery is takes takes a lot of energy and takes a lot of love. So I'm I'm happy to have had that. Well, I I'd love to I'd love to keep talking more. I do I do have to get going here in a couple of minutes. Um, thank you guys so much for your time. I I'll just ask just to kind of bring it back to the band and the project, and I would definitely just encourage people to 
to check out your music, check you out online, and and you have a lot of fabulous videos out there. And now you got you got three studio albums, and you got a a cover album that's really fun. I really like it. And um, thank you. But what so? Yeah. What what's what's the future? I mean, I know you're about to go and do this big tour in Europe, and you got some lined up for the summer. Is is the plan to just kind of keep putting out music and conquering the world and being your beautiful selves is there anything else that we should know about we uh we're gonna be recording when we're not playing this year and just putting out all of our music that's our main focus is the majority of music that we play at a show is not recorded i'd say like 70 percent of our music is not recorded and so we are focusing on that this year most um and focusing on on getting together with um organizations that we like we want to make more of an impact you know like a a good impact we've been doing this thing with our label out of nevada city jumpsuit records where if you stream our music on spotify um or any jumpsuit artists a fraction of the money goes into an account that's saved for what's called action days, which you can use for anything really. Um, and you can, and we we like to throw action days around shows that we play, mostly in Arkansas because we have more contacts there with local farms um, to plant a bunch of trees, to plant fruit trees and nut trees, and we try to plant a guild every time we go back to Arkansas, and it's totally paid for by people just listening to our Spotify. So um, we want to do more events like that, like more action days when we go to places and partner up with different organizations. And just back to what we were talking about, about you know, getting rid of that, that crazy narrative that we're so different and it's us versus them. I, to unite the people, I think it's all just about opening the dialogue and education, education and conversation and doing what we can uh, on the road to help that happen more. Well, I, I think you guys are on the right, on the right path. So thank you for all you do and all that you create. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan and a, an yeah. admirer. So keep, thanks. keep it, keep up the great work. Thanks Ezra. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. Um, yeah. Thanks so much yeah. for calling us. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it here. Why don't you stay on the line for one second, just to have a, a, a little debrief. But um, thanks for, thanks for being on the show, and, um, and I'll, uh, yeah, um, you, you guys, you guys are the best. So we'll okay. be back. Talk to you soon. We'll be back on but, the show sometime in the future. Up. I'm gonna hang up. I mean, I'm not gonna hang up. I'm just gonna stop <laughs> the, the formal okay. podcast now. Now. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Go check out Handmade Moments. Anna and Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'd love it if you shared this, wrote a review, did all that stuff, found me on the socials. It all helps. Anyway, stay stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Go vote. And uh, I'll talk to you all soon. Okay, much love. Bye. Thank you.